0: Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tianlu, coming up in this edition. Israel has intensified its bombardment of southern Gaza as it pushes for a hostage-release deal. Foreign ministers from the G20 countries are warning about weakening multilateralism in the face of geopolitical conflict. And the UK High Court is yet to announce a verdict after WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange appealed against his extradition to the US. We begin with the Middle East. Israeli lawmakers have voted in favour of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's rejection of any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. The vote comes amid calls from the international community to revive talks on the Palestinian statehood. Israel has intensified its bombardment of southern Gaza as it pushes for a hostage-release deal. Elena Baktoros with the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem.
1: There have been more Israeli airstrikes across the Gaza Strip overnight and into Thursday and that has been mainly concentrated in the centre of the Gaza Strip and in the south near the southern city of Rafah. Now these strikes have left more than 60 people dead. Their bodies were taken to hospitals across the centre and the south of the Gaza Strip. They have included a strike which killed two people in a shelter being used by the medical aid organization Doctors Without Borders or MSF, who said that a shelter that was housing their staff members and their families was hit overnight, causing at least two people to be killed and another six people to be wounded. Now the Israeli military, when asked about this, they said that they had targeted a building that they had identified as uh, being used for what they called were terrorist activities and that afterwards they were informed of the death of two individuals, of two civilians who were unrelated to this and that they regret any harm to any civilians. But the Israeli military has made clear from the start that civilian casualties are to be blamed on Hamas because Hamas operates from within civilian areas and from within civilian infrastructure. Now, separately, there has been a glimmer of hope, the first that we've seen in quite a while, on a possible ceasefire uh, in return for the release of hostages. Now this is far from a done deal, but one of the three members of Israel's war cabinet, Benny Gantz, said that there was a possibility of a deal. Uh, To quote him, he said that there are the first signs that indicate the possibility to move forward with such a deal. However, he also stressed that if hostages are not released, and there are believed to be around 100 still held in Gaza, if they are not released, then Israel will proceed with its promised offensive into the southern city of Rafa, where more than half of Gaza's population is now sheltering. The civilian population will be evacuated, he said, but if the hostages are not released, they will move into Rafah during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan that begins on March the 10th.
0: That was Elena Baktoros in Jerusalem. Israeli war cabinet member Benny Gantz says they are promising early signs for progress for a new hostage deal. He says the Israeli military will keep fighting in Gaza into the Muslim holy month of Ramadan if no new deal is struck. An Israeli airstrike on a house in the Nusi Rat refugee camp in central Gaza has killed at least 17 Palestinians and injured 34 others. Noor Harazin has more from Rafa.
2: One of the highlights, the Israeli forces and the Israeli attacks actually incursioned in Al Mawasi refugee camp. And the Al Mawasi refugee camp, it is supposed to be the safest area in uh, Gaza, in uh, Rafah, as the uh, IDF, the Israeli army, repeatedly mentioned the Al Mawasi refugee camp uh, for the uh, displaced Palestinians in Gaza to evacuate to and take shelter inside the Al Mawasi refugee camp, uh, marking it as a green uh, zone. However, overnight, the Israeli forces carried uh, a land invasion in Al Mawasi refugee camp. Uh, A number of Palestinians were killed and dozens were injured. Overnight, there was actually a number of Israeli raids in different uh, cities and towns in the West Bank, Al-Qalqilya, uh, Nablus, Tulkarim, uh, Jenin, and uh, these Israeli uh, raids on Palestinian camps in uh, the West Bank. It is not something new, actually. It has been happening since the 7th of uh, October. Uh, a number of Palestinians were arrested in Nablus and also in Qalqilya. According to the Palestinian medical sources, there's also a number of uh, Palestinian young men that were killed in Qalqilya. However, the ambulances are still not able to reach them or reach their uh, bodies. The uh, Palestinian Prisoners Committee in the West Bank said that the number of, Israel, of uh, Palestinians that actually the Israeli forces arrested them since the 7th of October, is now more than 7,000. And uh, actually, the Israeli forces carry these uh, raids on the uh, towns of the West Bank on a weekly basis.
0: That was Noor Harazian in Rafah. In South America, foreign ministers from the G20 countries are warning about weakening multilateralism in the face of geopolitical conflict. They sounded the alarm at a two-day meeting in Rio de Janeiro. In the opening remarks, Brazilian Foreign Minister Mauro Vieira noted that multilateral institutions are not properly equipped to deal with the current challenges, citing paralysis in the UN Security Council over the conflicts in Gaza and Ukraine. European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell warned that multilateralism is in crisis. The meetings will lay the groundwork for the G20 leaders' summit in November. Paulo Cabral has details.
3: Brazil's G20 presidency kicked off in Rio de Janeiro on Wednesday with a gathering of the group's foreign affairs ministers along with some guests. On the agenda for the first day, global security. Thursday's session is expected to focus on global governance, one of the key themes for this year. Brazil's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mauro Vieira, delivered opening remarks. In our view, the G20 can and should play a fundamental role in reducing international tensions as well as advancing the sustainable development agenda. Dear colleagues, Brazil is deeply concerned about the current international situation regarding peace and security. Brazil as the G20 president this year has defined three priorities to be discussed by the group. Social inclusion to fight hunger, and poverty, promotion of sustainable development to combat climate change and reforming global governance institutions. Even though the conflicts happening around the world are not explicitly among the key G20 themes, President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva made it clear when Brazil took over the G20 presidency last year that these conflicts don't happen in a vacuum and must be addressed. Brazil continues to mourn the tragic conflict between Israel and Palestine inequalities are at the root of the problems we face or contribute to worsening them we need a new globalization that combats social disparity ahead of Wednesday's event president Lula met with US Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Brasilia. even though most of the discussion was held behind closed doors U.S. officials said the two-hour talks included the Gaza conflict, and reports indicate Blinken also told Lula the U.S. did not agree with his recent comments comparing Israel's actions in Gaza to the Holocaust, which triggered a diplomatic row between Brazil and Israel. What is clear here is that global tensions and conflicts cannot be ignored. The G20 is gathering at a moment of heightened tensions around the world, as this year's preparations for the November summit kickoff, one big question is how much world leaders will be able to advance the group's agenda amid such a challenging environment.
0: That was Paulo Cabral on the ongoing G20 foreign ministers' meeting in Brazil. In Asia a container ship has collided with a bridge in South China, killing at least five people. Two vehicles plunged into the water while three others fell onto the boat after the collision. The cause of the accident is under investigation. Huang Fei reports from the scene.
4: I'm standing on the bank of the Pearl River near the bridge where the collision happened earlier this morning. Rescue operations still ongoing. This area is just about to be locked down. Earlier this morning around Flatfall, 5 o'clock, a container ship rammed into the, the structure under there and causing some vehicles to fall into the, uh, to the water. According to the Guangzhou Maritime Search and Rescue Center, as of 10 a.m., four vehicles uh, are believed to be involved in the incident. Uh, there was also one electric motorbike. Uh, two vehicles fell into the water, while three others landed on the ship. One crew member uh, we understand uh, has suffered minor injuries and reports of other casualties. A little bit more background on the bridge. This bridge uh, connects uh, connects Guangzhou with other cities in the Greater Bay Area, including Zhongshan and Shenzhen. The vessel was on the way to Nansha here uh, from the neighboring city of Foshan when the collision happened. Now, we don't know what caused the collision, but the individual manning the vessel is now in police
0: custody. That was Huang Fei on the fatal collision involving a ship and a bridge in Guangzhou. Finally, in Europe, the UK High Court has concluded a two-day hearing on WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's appeal against his extradition to the United States on espionage charges. The judges, however, have said they would give their decision at a later date. Yulu Abdaffed has more from outside the High Court in London.
5: The hearing is over. The judges now, Dame Victoria Sharpe and Mr Justice Johnson, will have to decide whether to allow this extradition uh, under the 2003 treaty for, between the UK and the US to allow Assange to be sent to the US to stand trial there or to refuse it. The arguments are so well known they're public, for a long time, it would be strange if it takes a long time before that decision is made. We heard from the US lawyers representing the US government and they were saying that this case, there is a case for Mr. Assange to answer for, given the amount of classified documents and information which had been published, unverified, uh, on WikiLeaks, the platform which is co-founded by Julian Assange. So, by disclosing so much information Uh, the argument was that um, American servicemen and women were put at risk now in in the middle of this prosecution case today we heard from uh, one of the lawyers saying that Julian Assange isn't a journalist uh, and he shouldn't be tried as a journalist which is interesting because that goes to the heart of why the defense and the lawyers on behalf Uh, of julian assange argue why he shouldn't be extradited he wouldn't face a fair trial uh, he wouldn't be given a fair hearing uh, and he would be ostracized for being a journalist according to them um, despite the assurances of the us authorities and edward fitzgerald uh, KC said that this is a politically motivated case and that's why he should not be extradited If the decision goes against the defence, then they will lodge an appeal uh, for the European Court of Human Rights to listen uh, to this petition to not to allow him to be extradited to the US.
0: That was Yolo Abdafid reporting. Recapping today's headlines, Israel has intensified its bombardment of southern Gaza as it pushes for a hostage release deal. Foreign ministers from the G20 countries have warned about weakening multilateralism in the face of geopolitical conflict. And the UK High Court is yet to announce a verdict after WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange appealed against his extradition to the US. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tianlu, thank you for listening.